0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Monday Solo Spags edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And today, I'm digging out of a bloodbath in week two. A lot of people out there played the chalk. I'm one of them, so we're going to review where we went wrong. I'm also going to talk to you guys about some panic and no panic scenarios. Trey Lance's career, are we panicking? Kyle Pitts, you saw him on the thumbnails. It's time to panic. We'll hit on that. And of course, it's Monday Night Football, a doubleheader tonight. That means a millimaker maker on DraftKings, so we're going to optimize some lineups, try to build some good teams to recover from yesterday so i'll do that right after this intro Hello, everyone. Yes, it is another edition of Splash Play. As I said, a it but I'm going to get the slogan out again because I love our slogan, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. I am Chris Spag Solo today, once again, after a gangbusters Friday stream, the return of our pal Pete to the new home, I guess, of Splash Play here on this YouTube channel. So, of course, make sure you are. In fact, Pete loved this. So I'll give him, give him the plug for that. But make sure you subscribe, like, and comment here on the channel. It means a lot to me as we get used to this world where I have to go solo a couple times a week. Maybe that'll change in the future, but for now, Mondays and Thursdays will be me so reviewing stuff for the Monday Night Football showdown slates, Thursday Night Football showdown slates. Giving a recap on Mondays, and then Fridays it will be me and Pete, sometimes a guest as well, doing our ride or die picks. So please come back on Fridays if you enjoy the classic splash play. And otherwise, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me here as always. And of course, make sure you hit the like button again. That flashing light, if that didn't tell you to do it, please hit that like button down below. It helps me feel good about myself. Shout out to the chat as always. My pal Steven in the chat saying let's roll. I'm sure more people will file in. But it's time, guys, to dig into what was a, a hectic week. Week one, a, a tough week one. But let's get the news out of the way first. In fact, let's start with the news that came right before the show. Mike Evans, it looks like, will in fact uh, be suspended for a game after his altercation with his ar- longtime rival Marshawn Lattimore. Watch this clip here uh, from Scott Whittle. It looks like Mike Evans said, "That's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do?" Uh, actually, I think this is the, the follow-up of the initial fight. But here he is. He's protecting his quarterback. End of the day, that's what you want to see, even if you are probably not happy seeing Mike Evans get suspended. If you got him in any sort. Of format, whether it be redraft, best ball, or DFS. And we can see the initial fight clip here as well. Uh, let me get stuff to share all these things. I gotta say, one day we'll have a producer here that could do this stuff for me and make me look like I'm an actual professional, but uh that day is not today, my friends. Uh, here is the actual fight, it looks like Mike Evans was pissed. He comes see, out of Evans nowhere, came off and he Boom, just smashes him right there. Hopefully, this does not get us comedy struck. But we gotta show if there's a we'll fight on a football to see, field, see, I'm Evans not came gonna off show it on he this just show. Rocked got to get rocked here. I mean, that's a lot. of that's animosity. That's years of getting shut down by this guy that I think uh, he wanted to get out of his palate. But there's Mike Evans suspended for a game. Uh, as we probably would expect, you bump up Julio Jones. Though Julio, as we talked about on Friday's show, actually is in fact uh, hurt right now. Uh, hurt despite not sustaining an injury on the field, which is probably not going to make you feel the best overall. Uh, but it is something for me where I think, you know, playing Rashad Perriman, he was one of my, my ride-or-die picks. And actually, I saw Pete ended up playing in the Spy. So he must have really taken to heart the ride-or-die picks format. Uh, but for me, I think that this Bucks team, uh, a team that, quite frankly, there could be some panic to uh, talk about moving forward as I switch the background. So we get make sure we get the branding in there. Uh, but Mike Evans, I think... Overall, a guy that we did fade a lot in best ball, talked about how his role was really not affected ADP-wise, the fact that Chris Godwin was going to be back at some point. Um, Initially, thought he might be back for week one. He was back. He's back out again. But it's still a situation where this Bucks offense, I have a lot of concerns about. Tom Brady, we also have a lot of frustration on the sidelines, uh, throwing the tablet around again, cursing loudly on camera. Um, Just a situation for the Bucs where they're also passing a lot less than last year. Um, I didn't actually save the tweet, but there was a Saturday from Hayden Winks, of course, an underdog, uh, talking about the past Passing over expectation numbers, which is what put a lot of people onto that Dolphin stack uh, this past week. This Bucks team is actually passing a lot under expectation so far, running the ball a lot, I think because of not being able to protect Tom Brady. We saw that at the end of last year. They just couldn't keep him safe in that pocket. If Tom Brady can't be out there if he can't be out there feeling safe to get the ball out, to be able to step into throws, to be able to plant that front leg and get the deep ball out there. You're going to see a lot more run plays. You're going to see a lot more check down plays. You're going to see him getting kind of frustrated about guys. Scotty Miller, it seemed like blew a couple routes yesterday or wasn't where Tom Brady wanted him to be. That's something I would worry about if I were a Bucs fan and if I invested heavily in them. And it is something that I did beat the drum of a little bit to just say, you know, watch out, guys. Watch out that the Bucs are a team that's getting older, a team that maybe uh, could feel a little bit fat off the land after what they had last year, the results they've had with Tom Brady overall we'll see if they level it out but for now i think there's a lot of things to worry about and the big one that hurt me the most which we are going to talk about in the panic or no panic segment coming up in a second and that of course i lovingly prepared powerpoint slides for and if there's anybody out there preparing powerpoints with love it is me uh, but trey lance trey lance of course breaking his ankle what was called a catastrophic ankle injury i'm not putting in quotation marks to undersell it it is in fact an awful one where the air cast is immediately put on him um at the replays i honestly couldn't tell when i was watching on red zone though i was one of the people suffering from sunday tickets outages yesterday so maybe i just missed Something amidst a uh, direct stealing all of our money and not letting the games actually work for the entire first half of the uh Sunday slate. But it's a spot with Trey Lance that I think there's some genuine concern there. Jimmy G comes in, goes 13 for 21, 154 yards and a touchdown. Also, rushes for a TD in a spot where it seems like maybe that was a play that they already had. I'm um, in the playbook because of Trey Lance. Jimmy G, I would not expect him to have a rushing upside all of a sudden. But Jimmy G looks okay, like he looks like the same player he was last year. That's not going to want to throw ball, uh, throw that much of a deep ball. Uh, Danny Gray was on the field a lot Certainly a guy that I think would have more upside to Trey Lance offense. It's forcing the ball downfield as well as a guy who can get out of the pocket can also kind of create some broken plays. Jimmy G is not going to do that. Same token, though, the Niners we saw last year go to the NFC title games is a good team. So it is a spot where, you know, I think you have to still feel OK about your Niner stacks. You probably have to feel bad about the Trey Lance component with that. You have to really hope that uh, for me, a lot of my Trey Lance stacks, hoping that QB2 is somebody worthwhile because Trey is not going to be out there. But I don't think you're dead in the water. I do think, though, that there are some reasons to panic. And let's start it right now. The panic for me. Trey Lance's career is what I'm going to panic about right now. This is two straight years of him being hurt. Part of the logic that apparently they kept Jimmy Garoppolo, which was in some of the news articles that came out over the last day, was that they had some concerns about Trey Lance's fragility, you know, his ability to get hurt. We saw him last year get a uh, sprained knee, I believe, in the first game that he started. Then ended up you know, losing the starting job back to Jimmy Garoppolo. He wasn't ready to start. This year, though, they went all in, put all their eggs in the Trey Lance basket. It doesn't work out. I think in this spot, you know, you can shake some of the, some of the stuff where it's like, oh, this guy's a bust. Like, you know, if you draft a guy at number three, there is definitely the hope that, you know, they're going to put this guy back out there because they want to be proven right this Niners regime certainly wants to look right for taking this guy ahead of some of the other qbs last year even mac jones who's not looked good so far all the pre-draft buzz was tying them to mac jones they ended up going trey lance's way and i think logically so but Now you're going to see these guys be compared even more. All the other rookies as well um, probably didn't have a shot at Trevor Lawrence. But besides that, it's a situation where Trey Lance, I think you have to have genuine concern about just his career moving forward. Will I invest in him in basketball again next year? I, I think so. You know, you give him a year to recover. You hope that he lands somewhere, whether it be with the Niners, whether it be somewhere else, uh, that he can get a chance to win that starting job and actually live up to the potential. But we're talking about a guy that didn't play a lot in college either, a guy that didn't have a lot of reps on tape, and they were drafting him largely on the upside, and now he's not seeing live games for a second straight year. That's something that worries me a little bit so i don't know uh, how the chat feels about it (laughs) can i do this with the puppet rob b was a puppet fan i know the puppet was very divisive on friday uh but i would say here's the puppet the puppets here why would i not bring out the puppet i love the puppet if you don't love the puppet might be time to tune out but here's our we we got to come in with a bit of a sad face for Trey lance it's hard to make a sad face the puppet my default is smiling broadly but i am in fact Rather sad about Trey Lance. I drafted him in all my best ball teams had 30% of them on puppet draft gigs. And now, in fact, uh, that money might be lit on fire. So pour one out for Trey Lance. Here's me pouring an imaginary puppet drink out to the floor. This one goes out to all the homies. View's going up for the puppet, so I could only assume... <laughs> That's a bit that needs to stay. I'm a man of the people pro puppet here. Thank you. DFSR, I don't know if the puppets Eric anymore. I, the puppet might just be his own being. I love Eric Lindquist. Of course, miss him dearly. Enjoyed doing the show with him on splash play for week one when Pete couldn't make it due to being in Vegas. Um, the puppet now, I think, just has to be part of my repertoire. I might need to go full Jeff Dunham and get multiple puppets, not go full Lena Dunham. That's the wrong Dunham. Go full Jeff Dunham, have a barrage of puppets, hopefully make them less racist <laughs> like Jeff Dunham does. Either way, though, uh, we'll hopefully have some more here in the future. And uh, one guy who will not be my puppet this year is Trey Lance, because he's not playing, it looks like, for the rest of the year. I will hold out a faint bit of hope that somehow they're wrong. It's not really season-ending, that he can come back, his ankle recovers ahead of speed. Maybe there's a chance he could still be the guy you need in week 17. But uh, <laughs> I would say I'm just writing off a lot of my Trey Lance exposure now. Uh, Writing it off quite literally, so don't tell the IRS because I don't foresee... (laughs) way that that's going to be a positive money gain. Uh, no panic, though. A, a younger young player, another young player who I will not panic about is Kyle Pitts. And I talked about last week that he did go into uh, a matchup with New Orleans where uh, this year so far, New Orleans minus 44% according to DVOA. One of the proprietary stats we have over Football Outsiders, of course, my employer that we're doing a lot of great stuff with. And I would also really recommend the Derek in All 32 uh, game film breakdown, which I should have listened to more. He had some great takes that were smart for DFS. He combined some of the film room stuff with some of the DVOA, the uh, uh, kind of analytical Analytics numbers, along with also just the fantasy and betting perspective out there, um, that was the goal of the product, and it is something that I think it's doing a really good job for. So check that out, the All Thirty Two by Derek Classen. But I would say, you know, our our nervous football outsiders like tend to be right, especially at the extremes where where you see a team really defends tight end well. DVOA does reflect the defense adjusted value over average. So that means basically in every scenario where a tight end had production, they didn't measure it against how it does historically in fourth and threes and third and eights, whatever the situation may be. So basically he went into a really tough spot against New Orleans at week one. This year, the Rams have not been great against tight ends. but still last year, were one of the top five teams against tight ends, uh, according to DVOA. So another spot that could be tough on paper. And I think that's going against another thing too, where, you know, Drake London was a guy that we beat the drum of a lot on this show. I love certainly uh, my USC alum receivers are looking better than ever this year, so I feel pretty good about that. But overall, Pitts, to me, is just the guy that the talent's going to be there. I think the issue is really, if you were investing him as heavily as I did, I have, a, I think, 20 to 24% on underdog, probably a similar amount on DraftKings as well. So, you know, certainly 2X, 3X the field-ish on Kyle Pitts. The hope was that he would take that leap, that he'd become Travis Kelsey, that he could beat every matchup, that he would have the floor and the ceiling. I think what we're seeing week to week is that that floor and ceiling might not be there. I think the ceiling is still going to be there week to week, but the floor, like, can he be that elite guy week in, week out? He wasn't really that last year, either like he definitely had his numbers boosted by a few good games so my concern is that this year he's probably that same guy getting numbers going to be boosted by a few good games I think those good games will come that said I don't expect him now to be a 1500 yard tight end I do think he still will be a thousand yard receiver by the time the season ends assuming that he's healthy assuming that the Falcons keep doing what they're doing but I think right now having Drake London in the mix a receiver that frankly they didn't have last year with Calvin Ridley going out early and also being banged up for most of that start of the season they just didn't have somebody who needed to get passes whereas Kyle Pitts was just getting fed time and time again And that's why we saw the upside. We still didn't see the floor. And I think that's something I'm starting to worry about with Kyle Pitts that there might not be a floor there from he might be more of a Darren Waller type where there'll be good games. There'll be six point games. There'll be 10 point games. But I think you're still hoping he gets there. I'm not going to sweat it too much. But I think if you are expecting him to be Travis Kelsey, maybe then you are more of a panic than a no panic in this one. Uh, Pitts is the same as Lance for me said Devin I was fading him then loaded up since August ripped my last 50 drafts or so at least Pitts is healthy at the end of the day a guy being healthy he can still get a chance to redeem himself and that's what you're hoping with Kyle Pitts and unfortunately that will not be the case for Trey Lance this year the panic button though I think needs to be hit for drafting the wrong young guys in best ball and this is something that I saw firsthand some of the examples out there yesterday 11 catches for 171 yards two touchdowns for Jalen Waddle he's gonna be the big one that jumps out we also had a Monra St. Brown going for nine for 116 two touchdowns a 58 yard end around run which just crazy impressive to see he looked like much faster than he looked last year at least in terms of the opportunity and at least on that one play definitely a guy that's in the mix you know again i don't mean to only tout usc receivers but eight for 86 and a touchdown for drake london that was a guy thankfully i did end up, up a good amount of but still like these are rookies that people i know are passing up left and right jalen waddle for me the concern was that uh, he just wasn't gonna have the upside this year with tyreek hill That was something that I wish I could redo because I did give a lot of rope to other new coaches, gave a lot of rope to Nathaniel Hackett, who we might be talking about a second here in the no panic column, but still like there are a lot of new coaches coming in, bringing new philosophies. And I think that's something that, you know, best ball wise, I would really try to be mindful of, even if I were doing the best ball resurrection right now, I would try to take some more tokens of what we've seen so far, but still think overall about these younger coaches, guys changing situations that were there historically, you know, Mike McDaniel, I think we all kind of thought, oh, he's going to come in with a Niners based approach where maybe Tyreek can get there maybe Waddle will have some better and best ball kind of games but instead he took some of the rushing principles and then made it so this offense is now opening it up downfield passing above expectation number one in the league so far uh, for the Dolphins That's something that I think is important, and that's something where, you know, for me, I had blind spots. I know other people out there certainly had them, too, where a lot of you guys out there who are watching this video might have flocked to Damian Pierce, might have flocked to George Pickens, probably overdrafted Cole Komet. Cole Komet was getting steamed up down the home stretch of best ball for literally no reason, and he hasn't had a touchdown now and I think, over 600 days is the number, so... That's something to me where I think that, you know, one thing that Pete beat in my head, which I took parts of and then didn't listen all the way to, is structural drafting. Like you can go watch Pete's Deposit Kingdom video talking about uh the importance of structural drafting is because we get player takes wrong. If you are drafting young players, there's no reason why you would draft some young players and not draft others. You should make a philosophy to just draft all the young players and draft them at the best ADP values and get them. You know, Jalen Waddle, I did draft in some rooms, but was letting him fall to the 40s, and that's when I would take him, wouldn't take him at his normal ADP. That was done by me. So I think that's something that I would try to be mindful of. If you are doing those best ball resurrection drafts on underdog, if you are doing them as well, use the promo code splash to double your deposit up to $100 on underdog. And all the money for that goes right back to making the show a better place, maybe even hiring a producer someday. Uh, so <laughs> please go do that. But I would think that's something that you know stood out to me is that if you're going to structurally draft, structurally draft. And that means getting eight to 16%, let's say, of a bunch of different guys targeting the young guys, targeting the guys that showed some sort of floor and can't hit that ceiling, but not going so heavy on them where maybe you do take a little bit less of the elite tight ends, you take less Kyle Pitts and you take more, I don't know, Dawson Knox, take more Daniel Bellinger, who was going in the 18th round and going undrafted across everywhere. Like that's a guy that could be meaningfully better than, you know, some other tight ends out there. Um, I think that's a mistake I made. And that's one that I'll certainly try to fix as we go forward. Wish Brady made it to the Dolphins just to see him do the waddle. Yeah, he would be much happier, I think, dancing around like a penguin instead of throwing <laughs> throwing tablets every week and looking generally depressed <laughs> in the pocket every time. My no panic, too, though, is going to be the Bengals' bad start. And this is one where I actually will pull up uh, another share screen here of a tweet from a former offensive lineman, uh, Jeff Schwartz, who's also, I think, doing stuff for Fox now. I think it's a XM show. If you're a former football player, no better time in the world to be fucking doing anything half-assed in media or, or full-assed. And I think Jeff Schwartz actually is pretty sharp. He says the Bengals offense two weeks looks like an offense that figured they'd have the same success they had to end last season just because they're wearing a Bengals helmet. So plenty of time to fix, of course. And you could see this play here from Brian uh, Brian Baldinger, another former offensive lineman, uh, talking about the communication problems. And I won't show the whole clip here uh, because I feel like he goes kind of meandering. Forty-five seconds of offensive line communication clips—a tough watch for anybody. And I say that as somebody (laughs) who does the content on Splash Play, but you could see what they're trying to do: setting up some offensive line plays and uh, not making the right call, letting uh, is that that Diggs? Letting 11 on the Cowboys. We don't know defensive players here. Letting 11 on the Cowboys get completely to Burrow untouched. That's something that you got to assume they're going to fix at some point. Burrow being young makes me worry about this a little bit less than a guy like Tom Brady. But it is something that I think you need to be mindful of with some of these younger teams that um, sometimes they can start to buy their own hype a little bit too much. And I think Joe Burrow in this situation, the Bengals overall, a team that's also starting kind of weirdly with T. Higgins having the concussion then having to miss practice due to his dad uh, passing away before the season opener. Like, there's some tough things around the Bengals. So I wouldn't panic about them yet. They are a young team. They are still somebody that I think can get there. Uh, but right now, definitely you want to see them address those offensive line woes. And maybe that means keeping Hayden Hurst in the block more. Maybe that means Joe Mixon being in the block more. Like, there's definitely some ways that this can get weird. Oh, boy. Cameron, you could not... <laughs> I appreciate it, Cameron. Cameron. Uh, Cameron has a very long question about panicking and no panicking. If you hang on till the end of the segment, Cameron, I promise I'll come back to it. But for right now, I got to get through my bits first before I start hitting your bits. Panic number three, Brandon Staley is going to be the, not the guy we saw last year being aggressive on fourth down. I think Thursday Night Football showed that. Fourth down aggressiveness is usually a sign, and I know this, again, for my day job at Football Outsiders, where I am, I think, one of the few people in the fantasy industry that's actually working, you know, like thirty third teams doing it too, so I don't want to completely tout myself at the expense of others. Like that is trying to combine the football parts with the fantasy parts with the betting parts and trying to you know, put it all into one picture. That's part of why I took the job with football outsiders. So I could understand that stuff better, understand how to make things better for myself moving forward to make better content for you guys, as well as whatever else I do in the future. And fourth down aggressiveness is one of those things where I talked about, we do have some teams that pay us for this. There is, you know, teams that, you know, certainly are paying other companies out there for the advanced analytics to run game books and all that stuff. But it is something with Brandon Staley, where you go from a coach who last year was getting browbeaten in the local media. I know from being in LA, they're calling him out a lot for going for it on fourth down, even though analytically, anytime it's, it's like under a fourth and four for the most part. You probably want to be going for it, especially if you're on your own side of the field. It's something where Staley, you know, the team's better. You don't have to brace the volatility as much. It's kind of like being a mid-major in March Madness for college basketball fans where a lot of those shitty teams just shoot a lot of threes because that's what increases the variance of the game, gives you a chance to maybe win it or at least stay in it. Whereas, you know, if you are a good team, you could go post guys up. You go put your big players in the box and let them go to work. Like that's sort of what I think Brandon Staley is embracing this year more is that his team is good. His defense is good. The talent's there. Herbert's better, you know, assuming the rib issues don't affect him too much. So I think it's something where, you know, for me, I would start to panic if you are expecting the Chargers to be this really aggressive team and this really analytically sound team. I think if anything, they're showing the same thing football coaches show a lot, which is that they do like to be conservative if they can. And I think Brandon Staley to me is a guy I would start to worry about with the aggressiveness and keeping it going. He's not going to be the hero of analytics. I think a lot of us thought he would be but one thing I will not panic about, Nathaniel Hackett, I, as you can tell, I put it so classly in the, in the PowerPoint, uh, Nathaniel Hackett jerking off and Russ is cooking. I'm not going to panic about that yet. That is two straight games of really bad clock management by Nathaniel Hackett, kicking the long field goal in the Monday night game against Seattle. Then this past game on Sunday, he ends up not kicking a field goal because he, the play clock ran out. He sent out McManus with like six seconds left to set up a kick, like really stupid, bad coaching if you're watching that game live. But it's something where I think to me, like ultimately you just need to see Russ have more success. If if Russ is in better situations, getting the ball to Cortland Sutton, which we saw him do really well. Like Sutton had a monster game last year, seven for 122. Javante Williams still looking good. Melvin Gordon still looking solid. There's enough ways that the Broncos don't have to be in these close games time and time again, especially if they start to recognize that, hey, this offense runs better when we're going no huddle, letting Russ actually throw the ball to Cortland Sutton and letting him make plays. Jerry Judy going out certainly doesn't help. But I think Nathaniel Hackett is not the coach that I was hoping he would be coming in. He's one of those guys where should have bought more and mike mcdaniel instead of nathaniel hackett that said i think the broncos are going to figure it out and ultimately it's just two games so um that's the kind of thing where you know you can worry a little bit about a guy who has a track record from last season like brandon staley and go all right are you what are you doing this year whereas i think for hackett it's like we don't really know who you are yet like matt lafleur wasn't a great coach to start with the packers and there was kind of the tumult with him and aaron Rodgers for a while there it's something that i would say is you know People do really overreact to new coaches, but you do have to find your death. And I do think Hackett, honestly, you look at him, even in this photo, like this is one of the best photos I could find of him looking like a leader. And he does kind of look like a doofus <laughs> on the sidelines sometimes, but I will not panic over here. And, uh, you know, jerking off from the food, never something we want, but it is something... <laughs> It sometimes just happens, I guess. I don't know. I never worked in a kitchen. I don't know. Uh panic though, the panic button for me, the final days of Tom Brady. I will panic about the Bucks are two and oh, but they can't protect Brady. Can't get guys open. Julio and Godwin are missing. Julio again out of games for injury when he wasn't hurt on the field. That's not great. Godwin with the hamstring issues coming back from the uh, ACL and Achilles issue or whatever, you yeah, know, it, it was ACL, right? Whatever the knee issues were that we're going to keep him out for a year. He comes back ahead of speed. He's back in his hamstring. Isn't good to go. That's not great. You also have Mike Evans getting kicked out of games, clearly being a hothead. And then you also have this one too, this tweet from Leonard Fournette, which I just thought was kind of odd. Um, I think it's nice. You know, Leonard Fournette certainly seems to be playing a little more uh, kind with people out there after the fat Lenny stuff this summer. But Leonard Fournette tweeting to my fantasy on I'm sorry. Touchdown's coming soon. I would like to believe he's being earnest here, like a great way to build up goodwill amidst the fantasy community who loves to give out likes, loves to uh, reply to things. You can see the Yahoo Fantasy guys down below here uh, replying with an I trust you. Very, very generic gif there, but it's been Diesel. Could be mad at it. But I think the Bucs overall, it's a team that to me just kind of screams like they're going through it as a team. You know, like certainly you see Mike Evans acting out, certainly being the guy who I thought was being a leader in that situation in yesterday's game where he stood up and tried to defend my, tried, tried to defend Tom Brady, excuse me, tried to also get a shot in at his longtime rival. Like who could be mad at that? But the Bucs, I think, are to me screaming a team that doesn't have an identity. You still have Bruce Arians on the field for some reason, even though he's retired and moves to the front office. He's out there yelling at guys, actually kind of instigating that fight that led to Mike Evans getting kicked out and suspended a game. The Bucks read like a team to me that like one more bad thing happening to them and this whole house of cards can fall. Brady not being able to be protected in the pocket is something I worry about as an older player. Uh, the mobility is not there for him, so I think the Bucks are a team that I would worry about. But I will actually spare one other elderly quarterback here on the way out. The no panic metrics. I think Matt Ryan is a guy that we shouldn't be panicking about yet, and that's a situation yesterday where we've seen this happen a few times over the last few years, where you lose the top receiver, you lose the top two receivers, and that's what happened with no uh, Michael Pittman out. Through to a quad issue no alec pierce as well as he's recovering from a concussion you could say whatever you want about Alec Pierce. I know I certainly probably hyped him a little bit too much as a rookie, but he is still a guy that's a field stretcher, a guy that was you know practicing with Matt Ryan for the large portions of the season. So is Paris Campbell, and he didn't really do much. So maybe that doesn't matter. But I think with the you know a guy like Matt Ryan, he's a kind of classic game manager. I think he's like a lot of QBs where he just needs the lead, needs protection up front, it certainly needs to have two receivers that he can rely on to actually get the ball to. I think if anything, you know if there's is an extended issue for Michael Pittman, which I really hope not. Again, the USC alumni community rooting. for Michael Pittman, as well as Amon Ross St. Brown and Drake London. I think in this situation, like it could be something where you see Naheem Hines start to get more work, which would be great for my best portfolio that, that needs it desperately thanks to that Trey Lance issue, but I think you know it's really a, a spot with Matt Ryan where he's an old QB, he's going to be good in good situations, he's going to be bad in bad ones, the Carson is there's a whole tier of QBs that are like this, And ultimately I wouldn't freak out about it You know, the Colts to me, firmly in the middle of the pack team that could be a little bit better if things start to run their way, and Matt Ryan, when things go poorly you see Atlanta Matt Ryan coming back to life you see him looking shell-shocked in the pocket that's not a big surprise to me, so I think that. That's the kind of thing where QBs, when they're running good, you're going to see them look great. And when you see things running bad, like is what happens when your defense is giving up. yardage to Christian Kirk that makes him look like he's worth the richest contracts in the league that he actually got. Um, that's something where I wouldn't worry about whether I were a Colts fan, whether I were a fantasy fan, all that. All right, let's talk. I did promise Cameron here we were going to do it, so let's pull up Cameron's chat one more time. All right, Cameron's saying he's in a 16-team full PPR league, so boof, Uh it's like got to have some depth there. Can you please tell me if I should be looking to improve my roster? And we'll take this one question and we'll build some Millie Maker alignments for draftings. His roster is Burrow, CMC, Saquon, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, Dawson Knox, Eagles, Dustin Hopkins. Bench is Daniel Jones, Kareem Hunt, Brandon Ayuk, Naheem Hines, Rondale Moore, David Njoku, KJ Hamler, and Alex Madison. Should I be panicking? this is a 16 team full PPR league is actually a very good team so I wouldn't panic at all I think CMC and and Saquon in particular are people that like guys that people may panic over yesterday Saquon being 40% owned on DraftKings was awful for me I'll show you guys in a second how that affected my DraftKings lineups but it's something where like Those guys, like you normally would want to make a rule that you don't want to play two running backs from the same game. Sometimes that can happen, they can get there, but especially on like a full slate, like you don't want that. You don't want CMC and Saquon going head to head because if you know the Panthers were in the lead, you're seeing more touches go to McCaffrey, less touches go to Saquon. The inverse would have been true for the Giants as well. And just normally, two running backs fantasy wise don't get there in the same game. So them going head to head yesterday, like it doesn't surprise me that they both had mediocre games. If I were going to worry about either guy, I probably would worry more about Saquon, just given the injury history and the penchant for the Giants to run bad. With Kenny Galladay getting two snaps yesterday, they're playing David Sills, they're playing Richie James over Kadarius Tony. Like they seem like they're in a year where this team is going to be trying to set the culture moving forward. But it's still like you got really good talent. So ultimately, in a 16-team league, if you got that much talent, like you're doing well for yourself. So you know, defaults the talent. You probably shouldn't be worried at all, Cameron. And then one more. Uh, One more question here. Should I trade Henry for Javante and Knox? My tight end is Schultz. Um, I would not trade Henry at a low point. Uh, Henry is a guy, he's going to have one of those monster games that honestly could be tonight, though probably probably not tonight against the Bills. But he's the kind of guy you want to trade at a peak, trade to you know your most novice friend in a redraft league, your your high school friend league, the, that old parable that people use now a lot on YouTube. Um, trade Henry when he has a good game, but don't do it now at a low, because um, I think at this point, Javante is a good deal. Like Honestly, Javante and Knox isn't a bad deal, but you might get a better one if Henry goes for 200 yards tonight or next week or whatever the case may be. Uh, pious Devil saying the profiles of CMC and Saquon make me not worry about playing them against each other. They're kind of game script proof. That's also a fair point. Uh, certainly guys who can catch passes, especially in a full PPR format, can get there. But ultimately, in terms of ceiling, like, you're not seeing the running back ceiling normally when guys go, are going head-to-head in the same game. So that's something that data-wise is there. But like you're right. Like If you're, there are two guys that can get there, it's those two. That said, it's something that we should have been more mindful of, I think, on DraftKings this week. And speaking of, let's fucking... Let's do it. Oh, God. I am... <laughs> I really do not want to share the screen uh, because I. Took a bloodbath. As I said in the description, as I set up top, uh DraftKings was not good to me this week. As I mentioned though, like I've been doing well in all these slates lately. And I, oh, I didn't even pull up. So you can see even Thursday night football had a nice little lineup here, finishing uh four uh 14th overall on the in the one dollar, the first down on DraftKings for Thursday night football. That helped me move the money forward. I was 2x my money, my initial deposit on DraftKings to start the year. And now we are back down to where we started. I did already uh, put in my entries for today, so that's why might have pop my balance is a little bit lower. Uh, but let's hide the the thursday teams that actually made money. Um oh wait no, actually I can't I can't just do last day. All right. Well, let's go. How can I sort by All right, let's look at my best mini max team. Let's do that then. All right, get started. So this was one of my best mini max teams. Uh, again, the 150 max on DraftKings. It's a lower dollar one. I did not max out the milliemaker. I did put I think 30 entries into the milliemaker and got back 0. <laughs> so uh, that's the bad one but this is one of my better entries and you could see one thing that is missing from this lineup here we have Stafford, McCaffrey, Barkley did play them together, didn't make a rule, which I did uh, Skronek, got Tyree Hill giving me a little bit of upside, Jacoby Myers who pops up a lot in Optimizers, Optimizers probably doesn't have the ceiling you need, uh, Higby was certainly a, a solid chalk-ish play though honestly 12% less chalky than I would have thought, Cortland Sutton going off the one thing missing in this lineup was Devontae Adams the one thing that was not missing in all my other lineups was Devontae Adams and that was something our power impact talked about when we did the optimizer show a couple weeks ago, talked about the volatility of wide receivers, talked about how it's easiest to move away from wide receivers. Um, What happened to me this week was I played, I think, I, I don't. I don't have the full numbers in front of me, but I had to play seventy percent to I think ninety percent Devontae Adams across DraftKings and Fanduel. Fanduel took a bath. DraftKings took a bath. I candidly lost I think fifteen hundred bucks yesterday, which I uh, hopefully am not saying that so loud that Alex freaks out. I mean, that's a normal amount. <laughs> Sometimes that'll happen as somebody who's built who saves the bankroll and tries to deploy it intelligently. So uh the way I play is trying to use chalk intelligently and then siphon out like the, the lineups are going to be highly owned and get to the, the good chalk lineups where you have the chalk with lower owned plays, higher upside plays. Devonte Adams did not get there. was not even close to getting there. It was one of those things where I was thinking about it yesterday. It was like, Well, fuck. Like, I think Devontae Adams, like, logically is a guy, if he's coming up in my optimizer and I can't get away from him, and that's with 33% randomness, that was with 66% randomness. Even with 99% randomness, he was still coming up everywhere. At a certain point, I should have just made the decision and been like, I need to cap him hardcore and cut him to, like, you know, half the field or whatever would be uh, exposure-wise, based on the ownership projections at Osmo. I should have, you know, considered other guys in the price range. I think if I had paid down a little bit more, I could have found my way to Tyreek more, or I could have gone up to Cooper Cup, and that would have been another safe play with the upside. Well, the issue that I had with Devontae Adams was I was really harkening back to last year with Cooper Cup and thinking about okay, this is a new situation, like, the, you know, a new play caller for him. He had 17 targets last week. It was hard for me to mentally fade Devontae Adams because of what we saw in week one. And because of what we know of him as a player, well, relative to the price tag as well, where he was mid 8,500, I think 8,600 on DK, if I'm remembering correctly offhand. So like, I couldn't get away from him because I thought it was a big discount. And he's the kind of guy that, you know, in my mind, you could see being 9,000, 9,500, you know, later in the year, depending on the matchup and all that. So this spot, high Vegas total game, like Devontae Adams made so much sense to me. That said, I think Pete kind of outlined the case for small field stuff on his GPP review video that he did on his channel. But it's the same thing for big GPPs where um, what's the advantage to me having Devontae Adams at 70% when the field's going to have him at 40%? There really isn't one. And if anything, it's probably a, a pretty big disadvantage, especially when you are then not getting a Monra St. Brown. You're not getting as much Tyreek. You're not getting as much Sutton. You're not getting as much Cup. You're not getting as much of all these guys. And I did force in some Cup, but I still ended up playing Adams in those lineups. This ended up being a tough configuration overall. So, it's something where I don't think you're going to see the 80 point games for Miami and Baltimore very often. Like, that's an aberration game that I don't think would be smart to chase too much. You can chase Miami, but I wouldn't chase like game stacks of games that have, you know, I think a 47 point over under by the time that the, the slate started for Miami Baltimore and then it ends up beating it by 33. That doesn't happen that often. But I do think the thing that I should have done more was seeing that car was coming everywhere, seeing that Devonte Adams is coming everywhere and going like, okay, this is happening for me. And you know, I'm using stochastics projections, which are uh, industry standard and not that far off from the median. You'll find on ETR and roto grinders and anywhere else. Like, I should have thought right away, okay, everybody's going to go to this game. What can I do to get different? Whether that's taking Devontae Adams out, capping him, something like that. Um, so that's the mistake I made, was believing in Devontae Adams. Doesn't mean I won't do it again, but I do think, you know, being mindful of wide receiver volatility, being mindful as well of like, I like Darren Waller and I was trying to play Darren Waller and I didn't just go, let me do a crunch with Devontae Adams out of the pool entirely and see how it goes. I didn't take that step and I can bring, I can blame the baby brain. Like I've been doing all the overnight shifts lately. Alex is sick today, so we're all fucking miserable. <laughs> The house. Um, but it's you know, something where I need to be more um more aware of like what the construction is looking like for everybody else. And that was the one thing I would try to take away from Rinpack that hopefully we can talk about today. Uh take the chat. Shout out Lunchables, Connoisseurs. Shout out to all the regulars on here. And we are going to crunch some lineups for the, the two-gamer today, Monday Night Football doubleheader. Uh, but I just want to make sure to hit the chats because I do appreciate all of you guys hanging out. And, of course, if you are hanging out here, make sure you are liking the video, subscribing to the channel. And how would you know to do that if I didn't flash a neon light in front of you? So please uh, make sure to do that right now. The Cup was the play over Adams this week Lower Ownership. I think that is a perfectly fair point to make by Pious Devil. I think it's also one where it's not even about the cup play as it is just trying to get everybody around Adam. So getting the cheaper guys being up, being willing to pay up more. Um, it's something that I, th- I knew and didn't do. And I think ultimately when you have something in your brain, and you ignore it. I think that's uh, probably the worst way to play DFS. Um, so something that we can hopefully address moving forward. Steven Teg, I hope they fade Adams next week. They play the Titans on a short week for Tennessee. That's actually pretty interesting as well. Uh, that could be the spot for the guy earlier. Like that could be where you trade Derrick Henry is uh, if they do whatever to the Titans or whatever. Excuse me. It's the Raiders whose defense is really not that good. And we saw them really blow that lead to Kyler Murray. Like Kyler was running on them in ways where, you know, the one thing you got to do is like keep Kyler in the pocket. And they did not do that. They didn't spy him. He just let him get open. Um, so I think with Derrick Henry, a lot of ways for him to get there against the Raiders team next week, that could be worth trading then and or redraft leagues. Um and there we go. So that's that's how it all went bad for me. I'll spare you guys digging too much into the off of the season lineups. So we can actually let us sort through really fast. Best ball's doing okay though. Best ball's hanging in. <laughs> So by DK best ball, I think I'm on track right now to advance 20. We'll see how that finishes after this week. Um, But a lot of Justin Jefferson still. So I have to assume that'll help. But um, I don't mind talking about best ball on here again. Pete, you know, people, everybody watches Pete streams. They're all clamoring to go see, hey, what's Pete talking about today? The FBI watching his best ball talk for me. No, they don't give a shit. They're they're like that guy. He doesn't matter. (laughs) He can get away with it. Um, Anything else that's interesting here? It sucks because it doesn't really show all of my lineups in the way that I would like. Um, here is the cash game lineup, I think, from from yesterday where I lost to my friends. Uh, again, Derek Carr did get Dortch in this cash game lineup. Like an okay cash game lineup, but you know, I think this is what you play in cash. You play Devontae Adams in cash for sure. Uh, for me, though, probably playing him as much as I did in GPPs was not the move. You just see all the zeros here. Like This is a lot... Of- <laughs> There's a lot of zero dollars back. I wish that there were a way to easily see my lowest performing lineup. Let me see if I can find that. That could actually be kind of interesting. All right. Here's a 71-pointer. What did this one do? What did this fucking piece of shit do? (laughs) Uh, Russell Wilson, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, uh, Brown, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, Jerry Judy getting hurt, Akui Boonham with the zero, Devontae Adams bringing in the flex. Uh, when your top performer of relative to value is Richie James and nobody's even close, you're probably not going to win money. Uh, but... <laughs> it is a uh, an ugly spot but you could see like it sucks to me like I didn't get Tua because the way that I play is just taking lower owned QBs and taking their sacks with it and Tua did not come up even once to me um in all the crunches I had and he was under the projectable threshold as well as we did on the, again on that optimizer show with Ren as we'll do today I do try to keep it to like an 11 point spread from uh the top projected lineup or the optimal lineup uh just so you are getting things that still have a shot to, to hit the meaningful upside and uh yeah Tua didn't come up for me but thank god boy Russell Wilson did after Daniel Hackett jerked off in his cooking. (laughs) That one hurts. It's a rough lineup. Look, but you take the shots. Like, this is the thing is like, it is to me still a deployment of like good chalk or what could have been good chalk with Adams 37%. But you see then Richie James under 10%, Brown under 10%, Wilson at 7%. um, The Cowboys D low owned. Like, I think this was still a lineup that made sense. It just wasn't good. (laughs) Like It just didn't, didn't do anything. Snowflakes everywhere. Seahawks asking, what do I do with Chase Edmonds? You fucking hang on to him because what's going to happen is everybody's going to flock to play Miami next week and then they're going to run the ball. They're going to get a big off of one Tyreek Hill play and then salt the game away with Edmonds and, and Raheem Mostert. But but I would think that's something that um, you hang on to Edmonds and you wait for him to have a good game because it's going to happen at some point. Likely when everybody is thinking, the Dolphins are the team to have. I need to stack them up. That's when it goes bad. And Brandon, it's honestly, it, it is a bad lineup, but I think ultimately, you know, this is something I learned from NBA the most. And, you know, hopefully I'll get to show you guys more of my NBA process as we get into that season, because that's the sport that I, I'm certainly the best at, have had the best results at, as we talked enough times on this show. Um, I'm trying to bring more of my NBA process to NFL, which for me has meant, you know, trying to dial things down. So ultimately to me, it's about getting those double stacks in, getting low owned QBs, giving myself a chance to have the upside. Um, so I think I'm building the way I wanted to build, but boy, did I not get the right guys. And ultimately that's all, all you can do. All right, so let's pull it up here. Let's go to the uh, the Fantasy Cruncher Optimizer. Actually, let me share my, I'll share the whole screen so we can see the process as always. I'm gonna grab the stochastic projections. I actually don't know where the stochastic ownership is uh, for the Monday doubleheader slate. So we'll find out together firsthand what the ownership is because I didn't get to look that up in advance. Uh, let me share the whole, I'll share the whole window. I'm unafraid of sharing a whole window here. But then you type in the autocomplete and it's like, oh God, is it going to get all my Chrome history? Like, <laughs> Is it going to get all the spank bang videos? I don't know. We'll find out if I have to type any URLs in. All right. Here's the optimizer. Let's get the projections from Stochastic. And as I've talked about enough times here, I'm shamelessly using Stochastic's projections for everything this year. Um, I just believe a lot in that team, obviously. Uh, where is the regular own projections? Fuck. All right, hold up. Um, But uh, they are certainly a team that I'm the most comfortable with in terms of data. You can use ETR's data the same way. You can use um, Roto-Grinders data. You could use uh, Football Outsiders data. You can use whatever you want. But ultimately, I I do love using Stochastics because I believe a lot in that team and what they do. Let's copy the projections in. Here's my notes. Let's build some lineups for this double header. And I think today I am doing, I'm maxing out the 20 maxes. And I think doing 20 entries in the Millie Maker is what my plan is for the day. Um, Very possible I put some more in the Millie Maker, depending on how desperate I get. As I did yesterday for Sunday Night Football, where uh, Justin Fields did not pay off. Darnell Mooney is a fucking joke. (laughs) So that did not work out for me yesterday. Uh, But, you know, we get we dust ourselves off, we get back on, and, and we show everybody the process along the way. All right, let's set our options. So we're going to run our no randomness crunch here. Let me make sure I don't have any stacks on either. And we're going to get our optimal for this one. Let's see what the optimal is for drafting. So this is one where, you know, if you want to steal a lineup for cash games, like steal this one uh, right away. Uh, oh, interesting. All right. So it looks like Zach Moss in the optimal. Um, certainly not a cash game play fundamentally, but is one that makes some sense. A lot of Eagles, a lot of Eagles, but no Jalen Hurts. So what, so what does that tell us? Chat, what do you think that tells us, Chad? I'll, I'll do the, the teacher thing where it's like, I don't know the answer. So what, <laughs> what do you guys think? That tells me that you probably, because 95% Josh Allen, you probably want to play some Hurts. What does a Hurts optimal look like? Still with Miles Sanders. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like a Hertz double stack actually could be kind of live. The Devonta Smith Dallas Goddard double stack that fades AJ Brown. Like this is a really contrarian, highly projected lineup, I would think, um, even though the ownership is going to be high, uh, like you're fading AJ Brown, which is going to be something that doesn't happen a lot. You're getting a Buffalo double stack without Josh Allen, which isn't going to happen a lot. Um. This actually is like kind of an interesting tournament lineup. It's not one that I would personally want to play because I do normally uh, want to try to correlate and not have two receivers uh, unless I have the QB. So I probably wouldn't land in this lineup, but I do think that's kind of the thought process that would stand out to me just from looking at this optimal, where it's so much Josh Allen. Josh Allen's probably the best play on the slate at QB, but you can get different, and that's one way to get different. Uh, Brandon's saying, I have a hand-built lineup that's exactly like this. Guess I need to change it. That's the tough part um, with these two-game slates is that... Every possible configurational lineup somebody's gonna hit on. So you, you want to really identify the, the underlying things that are popping up a lot in an optimizer. That right now looks like digs, Adam Thielen, Josh Allen. You'll notice one thing not popping up very much is Justin Jefferson. So maybe a Hertz double stack with Justin Jefferson or you, or maybe you just go to the Vikings double stack. I mean, let's see what we get when we turn back the rules. So same rules as usual stack QB with at least two of his pass catchers, I'll limit, the wide receivers and tight ends to one player, unless I'm paired with a QB. This is one you could disable for the slate, given that it is a short slate, but I'm not going to, for the sake of whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to, for the sake of what fucking, uh, cause I said so. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not going to do it because i still want to get my double stacks and i do want to try to force the qb double stacks um even for a short slate let's put the randomness on see what we get though let's lower the minimum projection for the slate too because it's kind of a showdown ish slate all right crunch time the exciting part everybody waits for watching an optimizer do math Dylan saying no biggie dude I had the nut stack and bring back it's still lost that's tough I mean that's the one where I think Pete again I, I was watching Pete's show while working out right before the stream so it's very top of mind and I, again I love Pete's content you know that's why I miss doing more than one show with him a week because uh, he sometimes puts me on to things that I wouldn't think of otherwise uh, but he was talking about how you know like the when you want to really win is when you have this really contrarian stack and then you know, have it pan out for me I wasn't even fucking close so like <laughs> There's really like no skin off my back. Whereas, uh, you know, like I do think if you had it and you were close and then still ended up not winning money like that, that's the ones you want back the most, I would say. But you know, like the fact that you were able to get there, like I wasn't. So I would say anybody that did land on a, tua a stack or a Lamar stack, I did get some Lamar stacks, but didn't get enough of the bring backs on Miami. Um, that's something that I think you should feel proud about. Like, yeah, there's no, there's no victories when you lose money, but like, you should really care about the process. You care about the angles you saw that maybe you didn't fully hit on. Like, I think that's something that I would try to look for, for optimism. And I say that as somebody that again, like legit lost 1500 bucks yesterday. (laughs) And I do not like losing. I do not like losing four figures, man. That was what made me stop doing three K and NBA at night. Whereas it was like, fuck, I made some good lineups, but Oh shit. I still lost a thousand (laughs) dollars. maxing out the big tournament. It's not fun, but you got to have your, your victories somewhere. Um, and if you have the money, like stick it to the process, the best thing you could do, no matter what your process is, like, as long as you're getting some things right time and time again, um, you'll probably be okay. No, Jefferson should be a uh, help. If you're hand building, he'll be like 50% in single entry. I am shocked at how lowly he's coming up for an optimizer. Um, so it might be something that in hand building will come up more, but for an optimizer, he doesn't. I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know what the tea leaves are to read on that. But I would certainly say trying to force in Justin Jefferson. like He's only coming up 28% of the time here. Um, what's his ownership number? Because this will pop up in this, I think. Oh, that's Jalen Hurts, my bad. Oh, come on, Cruncher. I just want to see the ownership. There we go. So they're projecting Justin Jefferson for 47% ownership. So that means people are probably forcing him in, I would guess, if he's not coming up on an optimizer. Um, I would watch, you know, like, again, I'm using the stochastic projections, which uh, ownership projections, which feed into Fantasy Cruncher. Um, It would be something I think it's worth checking out their live streams later on today uh, to see, to confirm these ownership numbers are accurate. Because, like, I don't get how he would optimize at, 28% but then be played 47% of the time because that's uh that seems confusing to me um let's up the randomness though and see what else we got Mm. here's our 66% sure gamer saying spags played jeff swain and print money i mean those are the kind of guys on the slate you know especially if you are playing the showdown slates tonight that can get there what's more likely I think to get there in the two game slate is like you played more than two guys against the defense. I did limit as you might've seen above to uh, two guys against the defense uh, that you can play against. Cause it's a short slate. You want to make sure you're getting those lineups in where you have the Titans D even though you're playing a bunch of bills. Cause you know, Josh Allen can throw a pick that gets taken back for a touchdown. That wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Um, but those are the things I think tend to be more important to have in a two game slate for showdown though. Like Jeff Swain is probably like a fucking a kiss from heaven. <laughs> so yeah, I don't mind that best pivot off the Jefferson chalk. Uh, That's a good question. Let's, let's see here. And Jefferson does come up a little bit more. It looks like when you up the randomness, so that's kind of interesting. So more random lineups will have more Justin Jefferson, which um, I mean, you want more randomness, I think on a two game slate, let's see who's in this price point though. On DK. So Jefferson's going to be nine K. So there's nobody more expensive than him. So you can't pay up to get contrarian here. You could pay down for digs uh, as we saw Thielen's going to come up a lot um, and he's very cheap. So Thielen is also like a really big pay down option. I I just don't I find it hard to believe Jefferson's going to go 50% owned. I guess like on the two game slate, like that is a different kind of number metric. But I would say going to digs, going to Brown. Going to that Kirk double stack. So you're still taking Jefferson. You're still taking on the chalk, but you're going lower owned in a different way, I think would be appealing to me. But let's run our, our final 66% crunch, put on two uniques. And uh, there we go. Let's see how this comes out. I think playing Kirk Cousins, though, to me is standing out. Because like Dalvin's in this op- Dalvin was in a lot of the Optimals. Dalvin's popping up with randomness. Um, I think you don't want to. S- It's something that I did last night in Sunday night football's uh, showdown that I think was a mistake was I really heavied up on the Bears offense because I thought, all right, well, what if the Bears win? And ultimately, you still want to be playing what the Vegas totals telling you because Vegas builds these monolithic buildings because they win more than you and I do. Like, that's the fundamental reason why you trust Vegas totals for everything and you don't ask questions about it. Um, The smarter move was what I think a lot of people won money on yesterday, which I had some of it didn't have enough of was Aaron Jones, a captain that's a move that people don't like to play in showdowns that much, but he did project really well. He was also priced at a point and coming off of the game too, where people are going to go to AJ Dillon. Like I think Pete said on Friday's show that he thought AJ Dillon should be priced higher than a- and and Aaron Jones. I think they should be priced pretty closely, but I think they both should have been like 10 K plays on that slate yesterday. Um, that's how you want to get different is you're still getting different along the, the realm of what Vegas is telling you. So I think playing Kirk cousins is the move for me tonight. Um, Boy, playing Tannehill is going to be a really low-owned, but that does not sound the most appealing. I got to tell you, I might... I might be inclined to take Josh Allen out of the player pool. If you really want... If you want to make a concentrated 20 lineups in the Millie Maker, like I'm doing tonight, like, it's hard. It's hard to feel good about that. But if you take one of the Bills running backs, like you take... I mean, honestly, you could take any of them, but let's say, let's take Singletary because Moss apparently has a better value number on him. Let's take Singletary. Take Diggs. And then you got your Kirk Cousins stack. I might make a rule to not have Dalvin Cook and Kirk stacks potentially, but I think this is a pretty unique build. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the ones. I guess if you're going to really onslaught the Bills, that's probably going to be a little bit less chalky as well. I just think Kirk double stacks. To me, that fits. Okay, how does a 50% on Justin Jefferson get there, but you still have a different enough lineup? Going to Kirk is probably the way that that happens. Um, what's Kirk's projected ownership? 22% projected ownership for him on the two-gamer. Tannehill's got 7%. percent mm and Derrick Henry is going to be... Derrick Henry Henry only being 36% owned kind of surprises me. I don't think a Bills outright win with an onslaught is the right move for this for a tournament tonight. But it's a Millie maker with a two-game slate, so I, I could definitely see playing some Tannehill and trying a few onslaughts. I just think the Kirk one makes the most sense. The Sag saying Jefferson plus Brown plus Diggs combination is going to be so owned. That is definitely true. Like, I think if you're going to play all those guys at that price point, like you probably want to drop one off or you do want to take a Tannehill at QB, maybe do a single stack of Tannehill with uh, with Jeff Swain. I don't know. Um, but let, let's do our final sort here. Let's make a let's make a group and put all these guys together. Actually, you know, let's do one thing different today. Let's let's amp up what Rinpack gave us the other day. Let's see what a 99% randomness crunch would look like. And let's put that in as well. This will be the final thing we do here before we jump off for the day. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Like I know like this might not be the most informative sometimes. I'm trying to kind of talk through what I see um, as we go. But you know, hopefully this is something that adds some value to your guys' process. If not if nothing else, to see what not to do <laughs> on a given slate. I hope it's helpful. Best way to play these is leave a lot of salary on the table. Yeah, I'm not putting in a minimum salary tonight, but I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. It definitely yeah, like in showdowns that works. Like I have no issue playing, you know, lineups within 5k. You might want to be careful. Like make sure you're still in the projection threshold range, uh, you know, to some amount. Um, just because like you don't want to play like a 100 projection or something if the off-ball is going to be just shy of 130. But on this slate, playing like a 110 median projection, I think wouldn't be the craziest. A Lunchables connoisseur asking, what's the difference in between Burks and Kyle Phillips's ownership? Let's see. Kyle Phillips looks like he's projected for 10% right now. Um, Burks looking like he's projected for six, man. You just need, you just need one of the Titans receivers to be one of Thielen, Diggs, Brown and Jefferson. And you're, and you get there potentially. I would try. I still think the guy you, you would want to fade is Thielen personally. Even if he's lower owned than Jefferson, I, I think Thielen is a guy that I would personally want to fade. No, thank you, Steven. I appreciate you boosting my confidence. You guys are the best, honestly. Like, I I know we had the the fucking annoying possible fantasy flock trolls <laughs> here on Thursday, uh, but you guys who all who come and hang out and, and tolerate me rambling and trying to figure out how to work an optimizer, you're you're the real heroes to me. All right, let's put all these together now and let's see what weirdness we can do at this point. And Of course, I will be back on Thursday uh, for the Thursday night football game that I do not know offhand because I have not. I actually have to spend a, a fucking couple of days on Excel grinding out uh, some of my some of my changes because I'm incorporating some different data sources now that PFF apparently won't update the way that I want. Uh, all right, move these to the group. There we go. If I click it a hundred times, I might finally get it over. Right here's our 66%ers moving over to the group. getting the big call-up to the group crunch. It's what a moment that every lineup waits for, is that they get optimized, and then they're like, oh, when am I going to be part of the group? When am I going to get in with the whole gang? And then and then they do, and they're like, oh, I've made it. Or it's more like, based on how it fucking went for this weekend, it's more like a, when Joe Pesci thinks he's going to become a made man in Goodfellas, <laughs> just walk into the room of the group and get a fucking bullet right to the back of the head that's the paisan and me just always think about mafia kills welcome to the family welcome to the family shitty lineup <laughs> all right and our 99 randomness crunch let's see how it goes copy this to the group uh, boy one day one day i'm gonna get all my clicks right on the first try and it's gonna be a great day Let's see how many lineups this is too because so i think the the higher randomness definitely was uh it's one of those things that people don't do that much that and that was the only one i got i, I got two exposure and was the 99 percent randomness when i reran some crunches yesterday um or from yesterday all right so what's our what's our highest own lineup let's let's look there Sag saying always had childhood aspirations of being a made man. I don't know how you could be any part Italian or grow up in New York and not want to. Like I know uh, I don't talk a lot about my former uh, employers at Barstool. I try not to, just because like you don't want the fucking you don't want that fan base coming and starting up with me again. Uh, but like they have a lot of like fake Italian guys who are like Albanian and and Irish and like not Italian. And I think that's just something in New York where it's like um, like you just want to be Italian because that's like sort of what New York is. It's a weird little identity thing, especially for me as somebody that is Italian and doesn't have a New York accent at all, unless unless doing a bit on a show um so this is your chalk lineup of the day is a josh allen <laughs> a josh allen triple stack with devin singletary and the bills so i'm gonna say don't play this one Is uh, you you know dupe me if you want i won't even i won't steal another pete catcher and say don't dupe me bro you could dupe this one if you please um it honestly feels like it probably is lower owned than it would seem in terms of the the product or the the sum of the ownership just because who what fucking maniac would play this many bills <laughs> be <laughs> the question um that's that's fine Our other high owned lineups it's like all bills triple sacks it looks like so one thing to keep in mind everybody's going to go to isaiah mckenzie and i have not seen any reports about this yet um if gabe davis is out i would not be afraid to go to um go to khalil shakir if he's active so khalil shakir is somebody that people will think is like a small slot guy who's competing for snaps against isaiah mckenzie and i beat this drum a lot in best ball season so if you heard it before i apologize but if you didn't uh, or actually even if you did pretend it's new uh wow what exciting insights from sacks khalil shakir was a monster in the preseason it was also a monster um in training camp throughout playing outside playing in the slot as well so he's a guy that i would be willing to go to if he ends up active so uh, definitely the Gabe Davis news is going to be crucial with the ankle issues. feels like he's trending towards not going right now. Um, but I think that's a guy that like could actually run outside. Whereas like Lunchables connoisseur talking about Crowder, Crowder's still going to largely play in the slot. And if Shakir is an active, throw this out the window, it doesn't fucking matter. But if he's active, it's not because he's playing special teams. Like he's not a special teams guy. He's active because he's going to run some routes. So um, I think Shakir would be the low owned guy. I would consider playing some of, if you want to get to that chalky Josh Allen stack, it's one way to get less chalky. Josh was saying fake Italian. Did not know they had those up there. Uh, they you you boy. <laughs> There's actually a lot of people who've made money off of being like fake Italian and like even actors like there are actors who aren't really Italian who have like fake Italian names and got roles in like the, the good fellas, the Godfathers of the world. So yeah, no fake Italians are a thing aspirational to be Italian. And yet here I am doing it so effortlessly. Uh, let's see our best, our highest owned Kirk cousins stack. Just out of curiosity. Oh, I also didn't put on the receiver rules. So that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah, for my actual lineups, I will be pretty meticulous about the rules of limiting receivers and all of that. Um, so a Kirk triple stack brought back with Sanders and Devonta. And theoretically, you you could capture all the Buffalo kind of touchdowns here with Diggs Singletary and the Bills defense. Um it does feel like making a bet on the Titans is gonna be one way. I think either a Kirk or Tannehill stack and I, the Kirk one appeals to me more uh, by a pretty decent margin, but it's also higher owned. I think one of those would be the way I'm going to go tonight. Let's see our Tannehill stacks. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Josh. Yeah. It's tough to be Italian for free. You want to be Italian for pay. It's like be, <laughs> It's like being gay for pay. <laughs> Just more lucrative if you could find a way to monetize. And hey, man, that's why I was having Pete do the welcome to the family bit. Was I was like, oh, finally I could find my lane in content by having somebody else do a fake Italian character with me. Um, and little did I know, uh, maybe the puppet being Italian that could be the thing. Um, this Tannehill, Kyle Phillips, Robert Woods double stack is gonna be the highest owned one. Let's see the lowest owned one. Tannehill with Derek Henry, Kyle Phillips, and Jeff Swaim. Oof. But it's sort of, you know, it's definitely not in the 10-point projectable range where uh, we are further off from that optimal of 129.6, I think it was. Uh, but 113.9, like, it, it's cuss playable I think taking Henry out would be more appealing. Like, this Tannehill, Phillips, Hooper, Titans, maybe. Um, how about if we put Traylon Burks in? I wouldn't mind getting some Traylon Burks. Just in this kind of game where maybe the Bills get ahead. A Burks lineup where you do have some Bills guys coming back, I think could be like this one here. Tannehill, Phillips, Burks, Diggs, Singletary, Cook, Jefferson, Goddard. So you're getting a lot of the best parts here. You're fading A.J. Brown. Kind of makes sense. I don't know. It'll be an interesting build for sure. And again, it's a million maker today on DraftKings. So we'll we'll talk about it on Thursday, how it went. Or honestly, I'm sure if you follow me at Chris Back on social media, you'll certainly know immediately if I win a million dollars somehow, because there I could not hold that tweet off. <laughs> even for a second. Uh, but I appreciate every single one of you guys hanging out here, of course. Uh, before you do, please make sure, before you do, go. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment. Even if you're watching this video after the pack, leave a comment down below. I personally go on the splash, play, handle, and reply to every comment I can. Give it a little heart. Give it a like, too, because I want to make sure you guys know that I'm reading everything. I'm paying attention to everything, because um, I do appreciate everybody who comes to hang out with me. Um, Shout-out to the chat as well. I would think Josh Gordon's the lowest stone. I would not play Josh Gordon tonight. I know I love Josh Gordon. I think that time is done. I worry, though, that that uh, Trey Lance is the new Josh Gord, not for weed reasons, but for never living up to the potential, never living up to what I want that person to be. Uh, That's where I am with Trey Lance. So. Here, pour one out for Trey Lance, guys. Thanks for hanging out, and of course, come back on Thursday at 2:30. Where well, I'll do this again for just the showdown slate on Thursday night football. But make sure to subscribe, hit the like before you go, follow me at Chris Spags, follow at Splash Play Pod, and uh, please go to ProbablyApp.com too. I think we're going to have a, po- a product push coming out tonight um, that will allow me to get some emails out there to tell you guys the most probable bets, um, which is honestly more of a parlor trick than anything at this point. We are going to build in the betting, the sportsbook kind of reference points. Uh, that's the next step of our development, but. Uh, you're going to hear about it firsthand from me if you get on that wait list at probably app, P-R-O-B-L-Y uh, So please go sign up on there now and uh, keep your eyes peeled for an email coming from me this week with some of the most probable bets across the, probably the NFL. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out though. Let me hit the outro. I'll see you guys on Thursday. So good luck. See you soon.